Hey, Kuya. I like that idea of revisiting our past episodes on social justice for 2023. Revisiting empowerment through solidarity and mourning has made me hear things in the episode that I hadn't realized earlier. Really? That's interesting. Like what? It's funny that piece when you talk about safety and how do we ensure our own safety is taking action. And that sometimes depends on our skill level, remembering what to do and what we're comfortable with to take action. And I like how you express that, you know what, see, what may work for you may not work for me. And same, right. it's important for us to take action where at our skill level so we can start to dismantle that type of hate. And like you've said so many times before, and it's 2023, that episode was like several years ago. This is ongoing. It's getting to that question of back to the basics, just like I used set up in the last episode where it's almost a revisit. This is an ongoing lesson. It is an ongoing lesson, and it's also ongoing skill development. And I think in some ways, even when I've re-listened to some of these past episodes on social justice, I think more deeply on some of these topics in some ways, revisiting some of our past episodes are like re-watching a classic film. And they can sometimes remind us how we already have all the tools we need. Mm-hmm. You know, and with the shootings in Monterey, California, and the subsequent morning, I think that sadness will give way to anger. And this challenges us to make room for it. So Sigs, I think we need to revisit that episode where we discuss exactly just that. Hello, hello, listeners. Let's revisit episode 216.5, Making Room for Anger. Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Desi, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Hello, Hello podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. Sigs, when you think of anger, what's the first thing that jumps in your head? I think of boiling points frustrations that have been simmering for so long, this fiery energy that needs to be released, like some sort of outlet to unleash that energy, some sort of like, it's cathartic. Yeah, it's interesting how we kind of equate it with fire, sometimes the color red, like all of those things. And I think everything that you've just mentioned is true. So how in your mind would you define anger? It's so visceral. I... It's a powerful, like an emotional experience, has many layers that can drive it, whether it's frustration, sadness, abuse, stress, financial burden, or mistreatment. Yes. All of that, again, is also true. Like when I think about anger, like what you said, it's an emotional experience. It's a feeling. It's an affect. Mm -hmm. Anger indicates that one has usually experienced an injustice or many injustices for that matter. And there's usually a desire or motivation to hold someone or something accountable and or responsible. So when we think about it that way, I kind of think anger is a bit functional. Like it tells us that something bad has happened to us and we need to hold someone responsible or something responsible. And sometimes that's a person 
Or yeah. sometimes that's an institution or sometimes that's a system of sorts. Does that make sense? Yeah. I sort of like that because you're linking to what I had said too, whatever. Sometimes when you reach boiling points, after that boiling point, what happens? What's the next step? I like that you're sort of saying that you need to desire, that desire to hold someone accountable or responsible has a good link to it. Yeah. And it's more than just kind of like seeking out an apology. I think that sometimes gets confused with accountability. Accountability and apology are not the same. Like an apology is very much about saying sorry. Accountability is actually naming the injustice that's been done and then doing something different, you know, whatever that different might be. However, in an ideal world, it would be like, Sigs, I'm angry at you. And you'd say, oh, Kuya, what did I do? Right? Yeah. And I'd say, Sigs, this is the injustice. And you'd say, oh, I see the injustice that I did. Mm-hmm. How can I make it up to you? What new thing can I do? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that happens in an ideal world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when usually we hold someone accountable, responsible, or we express our anger, mm-hmm. what typically ends up happening is quite the opposite. There's usually a fight, flight, or freeze in a lot of ways. Um, Or another way to think about it is is, is that people will minimize, deny, or blame others. So if I said to you, Sigs, you made me angry, or you did something that hurt me, Mm -hmm. you know, some people might say, or one might react in a way where they say that, what anger or what injustice wasn't that bad. So that's a form of minimization or sometimes denial where it's like, there is no injustice. What are you talking about? Mm. And then sometimes there's even blame. And it's like, well, I wouldn't have done that, you know, if you didn't do this. That's so, it's so, like my little son, you seem really mad, daddy, but I'm mad at you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but when you put it in those simple terms, the blame others, I didn't mean to cut you off. Is it basically you're saying people are taken aback and they attribute the blame, like the anger for them for something else or like... Well, because believe it or not, taking responsibility is hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like if you were to ask me what is responsibility taking, it means making a new and realistic promise. Okay. Right? So let's say I say to you, hey, like let's record every Thursday night at 10 p.m. and I'll Mm -hmm. never be late. Okay. What's problematic with that promise? You may be late. I'm going to be late. Or we'll be on, you know, Thursday's not a flexible date or I'm sick or you're sick. Yeah. Right. And so if I made an unrealistic promise, it could lead to anger. And if someone was to take responsibility, it means making a new and responsible promise. And that doesn't always happen because people sometimes either don't want to commit or don't know how to make a realistic promise. And I think that that just creates more injustice and creates more anger along the way. So it's it's not easy to take responsibility. And in fact, it's more easy probably to shirk one's responsibility through minimization, denial, and or blame. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it does. At the end of the day, this podcast is a Filipino-Canadian podcast, so we have to talk a little bit about being Filipino. How do you think the Filipino, Filipinex community deals with anger? Well, we don't really like confrontation and we want to make sure that we all get along. (laughs) Very true. We're very much a get along culture, aren't we? That's true. Some ways trying to get along, we want to smooth things almost to a point where we minimize what the problem is, which I think is kind of like under rug 
swept, you know, thank yep. you very much, Alanis Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> so we try to kind of mimic rather what I wanted to say was we try to actually minimize and gloss over the injustice that's occurring. But sometimes what happens is if someone has been really hurt, in other words, they can't go through that get along cultural way of being, they can't just put it aside, they sometimes will exhibit tampo. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it. I haven't been able to clarify it, but I know that you had broached the subject before, but for our listeners and for me, tell me about what tampo is in the Filipino culture. So tampo is a way of being where you withdraw any cheerful expression that you have for someone that has hurt or angered you. And I'll tell you, I'm used to hearing <laughs> my dad say to my mom, bakit ka tampo, right? And so, yes. Yes. which for our listeners out there that don't speak Tagalog, it's, you know, why are you acting that way or why are you angry or why are you suddenly being so reserved? But the reality is, is, is that the withdrawal of one's cheerfulness, and again, you know, this goes to the apparent disposition that Filipinos are generally cheerful, happy-go-lucky people, to experience a withdrawal of your cheerfulness is really trying to hold somebody responsible and accountable. Yeah. And that then, this is the most interesting thing, is, is, is that when I've seen growing up, and this doesn't, this rarely happens these days, but when I've seen growing up, my mom angry at my dad, and my dad would say, bakit ka tampo? And, you know, my mom would withdraw any cheerful expression she had. And let me just say, my I love my mom. She's not necessarily the most cheerful person. She's a matriarch through and through, very serious, and I love her for that. But any cheerfulness that she does have, my dad would then try to account and take responsibility by trying to make her laugh. So he would try to cajole any type of laughter out of her as a way of showing, I get your anger, I am wrong, and I'm going to take responsibility by trying to bring back your cheerful disposition. So You just described yes. something my parents have done. You've seen that dynamic, right? You know my mom. She honestly is cheerful. And when the smile is on her face, the smile is on her face. But if it's crossed, totally. And I do this. You've seen me. Yes, yes, yes. 40 years where I am, you're dead to me. I have nothing to say to you. (laughs) Cheerfulness extracted (laughs) and flat. And I see my dad. And again, I will preface this as Kuya just said, we love our parents. I love them. I'm just using this as an example of the past. We love you. Mom, we love you, right? I love you, mom, dad, where... My dad hasn't stepped up to the plate to do something. My mom's not feeling it. She's not even, you know, quiet, whether or not he wants the rest of, like, the ulam for dinner. She'd be like, oh, and dad's all, gunda. <laughs> and she's just like, really? Stop. And I'm sure they've had conversations, closed doors, of this is what frustrates me about you. You can't. But he does, when you said the term cajole and try to be like, yes, I know I'm in the wrong. How do we move on from this tampo? Yeah, yeah, you described it. The person that has angered or had committed the injustice suddenly has to almost be clownish, if you will. Yeah. If I was to kind of explain it in North American terms, you have to suddenly do silly things. You have to do over-the-top romantic stuff as a way of bringing cheerfulness. And so it usually has to be kind of like jokes that they have to tell or they start to make jokes. 
Mm-hmm. Again, I think the key in showing how do you demonstrate responsibility in the Filipino culture is cajoling, is the best mm-hmm. way that I can kind of describe it in North American terms. But what you and I have kind of seen growing up with our parents kind of express anger, I know that that has probably seeped into my way of being as well, that sometimes I think I, I have to cajole people. But I think that there's some yeah. difficulty with that approach, right? That n- not everyone right. wants to be cajoled and not everyone can be cajoled easily just kind of like what you were describing there for a moment with your mom, where it's like, you know, she just wants the space and the time to sit with her anger before she can be cajoled or before, you know, Tito Will can take responsibility or my dad, Tito Jess, can take responsibility for however he's upset my mom. Just to preface also to our listeners, it's not always my dad that's at fault. (laughs) (laughs) But just for this contextual example, yes. Going back to um, what you had said uh, with our culture, I guess you made that thing or whatever that not everyone, they, there's acknowledgement, it's hard to take responsibility. Uh, and what do you do in that cases and being in North America? Well, let's just uh, think of the young well, children in our lives, right? Like Mac right? or Delaney or any of the young kids, like any of my nephews and nieces or godchildren that I have. Mm-hmm. When we, if you will, quote unquote, catch them doing something wrong, you know, <laughs> and we express our anger over it, how quick are they to take responsibility? Delaney, very quick. Mac, no. <laughs> very, or just... Just where Delaney's just, oh, I've uh, I've disappointed you or whatever. Mac's like, well, you did this. Oh, no. <clears throat> and then he'll walk off. But I think he's feeling his older sister where he's like, oh, we're in the wrong. There's something wrong. They they know it. They have that feeling, the emotions there. They know the tone we take. So Yeah, yeah. I, there was one time in my odd wisdom did I say to my sisters, oh, bring the kids over. We'll have a sleepover on the weekend. And I had six of them. And I don't know oh what I was gosh. thinking at the time, but I invited them all. And of course, I decided that I was going to make them lunch and dinner and all that stuff. And Michael was there to help me. But Michael pulled his back that weekend. And so he was a bit bedridden. So I was doing double duty of like serving him dinner or breakfast in bed while I was like entertaining the kids and, you know, trying to relate and socialize and oh play gosh. with them. Yes, you can imagine. So six of them. <laughs> each, if At that time, it was like age four to 14 or something like that, you know, or four to 16 or something like that. And at one point I'm bringing Michael his grilled cheese sandwich and I bring it up and I come downstairs and the kids are just fighting with each other and there's yelling and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is happening, right? And they're all trying to tell me their side of the story of who has wronged who and why they're all angry with each other. And I just said to them, okay, we need to talk before we can do anything, but first eat your grilled cheese because no one's going to get anything done if they're on on a hungry stomach. And so we get through it and it all has to do with, you know, order of things. That's what it comes down to. Sunday rolls around, lunchtime. I'm bringing up this time to Michael some other meal that I've made. I come downstairs and all I hear is the fighting yet again. And I said, (laughs) what is going on? And my niece, Jessie Maya, just says, guys, let's just talk about it. Because if we don't, Ninong's going to make us talk about it. 
which really came down to them kind of making better promises with one another because there was lots of misunderstandings about the order of things and how they were supposed to go. I think it had to do with place setting, actually, if memory serves mm-hmm. me correct, like who was supposed to do what and why and who was responsibility. But mm-hmm. again, it had to do with to take responsibility with each other. They had to make better promises and needed to kind of talk that out. And it's not easy kind of making a promise. And sometimes when we have to break promises, you know, like we have a reason, but we don't want to disappoint others along the way. So when I hear kind of Delaney kind of like, oh gosh, afraid of disappointment, I think that that's also part of that expression of anger is like not wanting to disappoint and feeling stressed when there is conflict. When actually sometimes conflict is necessary because it will lead to clarity. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like leading to clarity? Sometimes you need to get angry and get into conflict to get to the truth is I guess what I'm trying to say. I agree with you. You have to let that out or I guess be heard. Yeah, because I think what happens when people don't get heard, that's when people get really desperate. To quote Martin Luther King, one of his more lesser known quotes, but something that's been in the ether these days is the idea that a riot is the voice of the unheard. And that really speaks to what we're seeing when we've seen past violence or looting that has occurred after peaceful protests, that this isn't us condoning those types of action, but when we look at it, it's really about a sense of desperation because their anger has not been heard over decades, if not hundreds of years for that matter. Does that make sense, or do you have any thoughts about that? At the time span, you're right. These are decades. These are years yeah, uh, if that not hundreds people haven't of years. been heard. Hundreds of years. Slavery was 300 years. Yeah. Know. Think about how many times anger has been expressed from the black community about the injustice, the racial discrimination that they've experienced. And again, this isn't to condone violence or looting, but it does indicate the context of a community's unheard anger and how they so desperately need space their anger to indeed be heard which really leads to kind of like my suggestion of needing to make space for these feelings of anger hurt the question for us becomes which i think very much started off our podcast is is, although you didn't frame it this way as a question is how can we let those that are hurting and are desperate to be heard in other words how can we make space for people's anger and how can we let those that are hurting and are desperate be heard And I think the first step has to be that we have to recognize the desperation. You know, I think it's easy to look at the looting and the rioting and to say, those are bad people or, or what are they protesting when they're doing all these bad things when actually, no, this is desperate behaviors. And we need to recognize that there are desperate feelings that are occurring, that there's a sense of desperation. I would also say that alongside that, we have to also recognize anger and hurt and that it's coming from a true place or even a righteous place. I really think that there's such thing as righteous anger. I think sometimes we think that experiencing anger is bad. And I think in our culture, Filipino culture, very much it's actually not about wanting to experience anger. It's wanting to experience every other emotion but anger. But Mm -hmm. I think to myself, if we're never angry, we might not ever get to the truth or what the real problem of the injustice is. So... I think we got to recognize the injustice. We got to recognize the anger and then know that that pain is deep. And I think that that's the big piece is knowing that the pain is deep. I think what we need to do once we've done all of these 
if you will, cognitive acrobatics in our head um, is to stay with the pain and not curtail its expression. And I think it's really easy to want to not bulldoze through people's anger or contain their anger so that we don't feel uncomfortable. But I have to say it's a privilege to feel comfortable in any tense discussion. And we owe it to those that have decided to let us know about their anger that we're going to hear it and we're going to stay with it and we're going to make room for it. I've said a lot. Do you have anything to add? I see what's going on in the news and I see on social media and I see what the black communities have been dealing with for so many years. Like we've grown up, whether it's the civil rights movement uh, back in the day from like the Rodney King riots to now to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. And they're just the tip of the icebergs that we're seeing. Kuya, how do we respect their anger and not let it be combined with the anger that we feel that we see the injustices like that are being observed? How do we navigate through that? Well, I think to not get distracted. And what I mean by that is, is, is that I think get so scared of hearing other people's anger and pain that we either want to talk about our own pain or right. we want to talk about other pains or we want to do something. And that's not what's asked of us. What's only okay. asked of us is to be a witness in the moment. You know, if someone is letting us know about their anger, we need to witness their anger that doesn't necessarily mean we have to do something right away. We can do something afterwards, but we don't have to do something right away. We just need to be a witness and stay in the moment. And sometimes it's so hard to stay in the moment because we're so busy clock watching as a way of helping us deal with the pain. But instead, what I would say to people is, is that know that if it's uncomfortable, it's okay for it to be uncomfortable. And also, the second thing to note is, is, is that that anger and that pain will eventually transform if you let it fully express itself. You know, we're not there to solve a problem, not just yet at least, we're there to mm -hmm. listen to it. And that's hard to do because I think sometimes yes. we listen to injustice and the first thing we want to do is problem solve. In as much as some of us are good problem solvers, that might not be such a good place to start. Unless we're being asked to solve the problem, we got to listen to the anger, stay with the anger, make space for the anger. <laughs> yeah. Which kind of really leads us towards the fixing of the week. Like what I had said before, anger can prompt difficult conversations. That again, anger makes us all feel uncomfortable. And I just want to normalize that for our listeners, that it's okay to feel uncomfortable in what would normally and naturally be a tense conversation. So instead of trying to control that conversation or trying to feel comfortable with that conversation, instead of avoiding, minimizing, denying, or blaming, I want people to know that it's actually a privilege and an entitlement to feel comfortable during tense conversations like that. And that there's such thing as healthy tension, that actually healthy tension can get us to the truth, can get us to a better solution. And if we don't allow ourselves to experience that tension, how are we going to be motivated to do something better or to take responsibility in our own lives of how we might perpetuate injustice like racial discrimination? So, you know, finally, I want to say that if you're listening to anger and you want to make space, you know, the best way to do that is to lean in, be a witness and stay in the moment and validate that person's anger. And remember again that Discomfort is what leads to growth. Because after all, we have to go through growing pains 
<laughs> you know, like when you go through growing pains, when you're going through growth, it doesn't always feel great. There is a bit of tension there. And right. that's what I would want our listeners to remember is this is that see this as an opportunity for growth, you know, when you are making space for other people's anger. So validate people's anger. Be a witness and stay in the moment is what I would say. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, and suggestions for us here at Halo Halo, you can email us at holohalopopculture at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at Pop and on Instagram at Culture. If you can, we really encourage you to go and download us, subscribe, leave a message and review at all podcast platforms. We have some interesting episodes coming up, and we'd love to hear, hear from you guys and love for you to join in our conversation. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chal Turingan. We'll see all of you guys again soon. See you soon.